Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com For the first 10 years of our marriage, I was by Tom's side. I was even the first lady of a couple legal organizations. Imagine that. Boy, they hated my ass. <laughs> Still do. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. It's Christmas week, y'all. Are we excited about it? I hope if you celebrate that you are excited about it. You know, I just feel like there have been so few things to look forward to over the past year. So, you know, as we have a couple weeks left, I just hope you guys are enjoying it as much as you can. Um, happy Hanukkah for those who celebrated it. Happy Kwanzaa for those who are about to celebrate it. Happy Kwanzaa to you, Stassi Shore. <laughs> uh, let me just talk about what I was supposed to talk about, okay? So, what the fuck is going on with Erica and Tom? What the fuck is going on with Tom? I just... Uh, what is happening... My first question every time I see these headlines is how to, you know, if I'm going to quote the incredible Deborah Cox, how did we get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. What's going on, you guys? I am going to attempt to break it down as much and as concisely and as in order as I possibly can. So. For those of you who haven't been keeping up, election day, Erica Jane announces that she and Tom are going to get a divorce. A month after that, you know, in the month 
between those, there was a lot of talk of this doesn't seem right. Is this financial? Is this a breakup because of X, Y, Z? Why would Erica break up with him when she's so close to the proverbial finish line that is Tom Girardi's life? Why get out now? (laughs) I mean, those were the real questions that people were asking. So a month later, a bombshell lawsuit drops suing both Erica and Tom. Why? Misappropriation of funds and basically embezzlement and fraud. So what had happened was back in 2018, there was a an Indonesian aircraft uh, crash that resulted in the deaths of several people. The families of the people that passed away were reported to get a large sum of money. Initially, they got $2 million each. And then there was supposed to be like a whole other group of cash that they were supposed to get that they never received. So this lawsuit came from Chicago, was alleging that both Tom and Erica had used the funds that had not been given to the victims and were using it to fund their lavish Pasadena lifestyle. Okay. So what happened over the course of a week was just like hit after hit after hit. And it feels like intentional chaos. It feels like so many things are happening. So many news items are dropping in order to make people be confused and to not ask too many questions because there's so much going on. There's so much overwhelming information that like most people cannot be bothered. And that's why you have podcasters, right? So I'm going to do my best on, you know, again, I'm running on a very, you know, below average intelligence. So I'm going to do the best I can to disseminate all of the things that have come out and happened this week. So there was a pretty thorough article dropped by the LA Times earlier this week, a few days ago, and it basically paints a picture that says that Tom's financial issues and his issues with the lawsuits and misappropriating of funds has been going on since 2015. And when was it announced that Erica Jane would be a new cast member on the show? 2015. So essentially what is being alleged of Tom is that since then, he's basically been running sort of a Ponzi scheme. Like essentially what is happening is that he's receiving loans. He's in debt. He's receiving these loans that are not um, for him going to other people, he's taking them, using them to pay off other loans, getting more loans, using those to pay off the former loans, and it goes on and on in a horrible cycle of debt and, I'm sure, despair. Um, There have been allegations of uh, Tom getting sued for certain uh, other lawsuits, There have been several allegations of Tom just completely having an inability to explain where these funds went, where they are, why they're not going to the appropriate parties. Um, There are lots of loans that are going, you know, intentions 
loans that are intentionally used to kind of uh, make a, a, what do you call it? A, <laughs> a lawsuit company. Wow. An attorney's office, you know, a partnership, if you will. Well, um, you know, it, it, there are specific loans that are uh, designed to give lawyers and their partners money. He has gotten tens of million dollars in loans um, from Arizona, from California, from... It's really, really just been a tough road. The attorneys that had been working under Tom have left. There has very little cash going on. There was a, a lawsuit that happened that they did not disclose what the lawsuit was about. Um, but Tom had to go under oath. They interviewed him. He basically said at one point I used to be worth anywhere between 50 to $8 million, $80 million. Uh, guess what? I'm a broke bitch now. I don't have any money. He claimed to only have maybe possibly a couple thousand dollars in a bank account to his name. Um, it's not looking great. <laughs> not looking great. And again, I just have to ask, I, I mean, far be it for me to defend an old white man. Like, why would I ever, you know, in what planet would I defend Tom Girardi? Right. I think there's something going on here. You guys, I think there's, there's something going on. It does not make sense to me in my mind. I can't wrap my mind around the idea of there being a man who's been successful in the law field for decades now is in his eighties. How is it possible that the house of cards <laughs> fell in this way? Like I understand greed. I understand that so many wealthy people find themselves in these situations where, you know, like I watched the OC when Marissa's dad was like, you know, losing money, bleeding money left and right. And it's like, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you know, you're borrowing, you're hoping that X, Y, Z is going to work out. You're borrowing against possible future, um, income that you're going to make and all these lawsuits that you're thinking that you're going to win. And this is how he was able to get this tens of millions of dollars by saying like, Oh, I am anticipating making this much money, X amount of money off of, you know, the lawsuits that I'm currently, uh, working in. So I, I understand how people can get in over their heads. What I can't understand is why, to me, these are rookie mistakes. And I'm not somebody who knows a damn thing about, like, law, right? <laughs> like, these just seems like things that you would very obviously get in trouble for. People, here's the thing. People don't like it when you take their money. <laughs> People don't like it when they're, you know, finding themselves... Uh, flush with cash that they didn't have before 
as a result of some sort of tragedy, they're finding themselves in a an incredible windfall. And by the way, uh, Tom's loss, uh, law, why am I, why can I, found it law firm tom's law firm is one of those firms that you see on tv that will be like oh you don't have to pay anything you only pay if you win and if you don't win then you know if we can't win it for you then you don't have to pay a dime so that's how he ended up being very successful is he ended up actually winning a bunch of lawsuits word of mouth all of that um so we're, we hear a lot about this air crash uh, lawsuit that came down because it ended up adding Erica to the name. But I think there is one lawsuit that they're pointing to in this L.A. Times uh, article that seems to be kind of the catalyst towards other things. So there was a guy whose body ended up getting 50% coverage. 50% of this person's body was burned as a result of a pipe burst I believe he ended up getting a large sum of money because it was like a a, like a company's pipe that had burst right he had gotten injured he initially got a million dollars the money stopped so they start to sue Tom bitch where's my money right so then they can't explain where the money's come from. So then that person was like, no, you really better have my money. They really put down the hammer on him. They sued Tom, a bunch of people. And then that Lion Air uh, lawsuit came out. So here's what I'm wondering. There was an article that came out not too, like earlier this week. So this is the start of like, what happened in the world of the Girardis this week? So, on Monday, attorneys for Tom claimed that he had suffered a undisclosed yet very serious illness that required him to be hospitalized for quite some time. And that is what they're saying is why they, the Lion Air, the Air uh, Line victims crash victims did not receive their money because basically he was infirmed things went undone and that's the reason why they didn't get their money so because of this they basically like the the judge didn't really buy it they decided to freeze tom's funds so they froze the assets of both tom's individual assets and also the law firm that he, his law firm. So, and another thing happens a couple days later. Uh, Erica tweets, oh, go to this website. One of those websites that is basically like, you can sell your high-end clothing for a certain percentage. You know, it's like a Poshmark or, you know, what have you. So she tweets out, Oh, I'm part of this website. I'm partnering up. Here's a, you know, enter, you know, whatever the fuck for uh, 10% off. The court's going to handle this. And they're like, oh, no, you're not allowed to sell your clothes. The reason why she's not allowed to sell her clothes is because Erica and Tom never got a prenup. 
even though when he married Erica, he was still kind of going through financial issues with his previous wife because Erica is, is his third. Um, they never signed a prenup. So basically what they're alleging is that Erica needs to stop selling these clothes because his assets that were frozen, you know, there's a community property situation between them. They're saying, Oh, Tom could have bought these clothes from Erica. How are we supposed to know if she paid for them or if he paid for them? And if she's, you know, potentially reaping the benefits, like we don't want her reaping the benefits financially of clothes that she did not herself buy, particularly if it's Tom's clothes. So they said, don't sell it. Any money that you made from the sales from the time that Tom's assets were frozen, any money that you made from sales from that website has to go back to the county clerks. You got to turn that shit in. So obviously these are big news items that are happening. So very quietly, a news article came out that said, oh, Erica, the real reason why Erica filed for divorce was because she believed that Tom was cheating on her. Okay. So then Friday night, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm thinking, oh, what are these screenshots? What are these screenshots? They were posted on Erica's personal Instagram (laughs) and they were screenshots of text messages fully showing a, you know, 310 area code phone number. She, the caption said, this is Justice Trisha A. Bigelow. She was fucking my husband, Tom Girardi, and he was paying her sax bill and paying for her plastic surgery. Um... People notice immediately that these screenshots don't look like they're from a current phone. Um, she has since deleted the post, but there's screenshots of um, text saying, uh, Miss you, babe. Makeup sex. Tonight was fantastic. Really. But it would be a whole lot better if I were blurring you. I imagine that's fucking. Um... um Text messages about a Dr. Matlock. I assume that's the surgery that Erica was alleging that she was paying for. There's a picture of this lady's butt and a full picture of her laid out on a, what looks like a hospital, not a hospital. <laughs> it smells like hospital in here and a hotel bed. Um, she's fully clothed, like I said. Uh, but yeah, there's, you know, text from her that says good night sweets you control that temper tomorrow on the stand you're in the right um you know just alleging that this was you know a lot for her so a lot of people like i said notice that these text messages seem to be from an older phone so they're like why are you even putting this out erica these you know people did their googles and you know when the when you can clearly see that the text messages say This is from Thursday, August 4th, Wednesday, July 6th. People are going to go back and look and say, what years was August 4th on a Thursday? What year was July 6th on a Wednesday? And they went back and did their research, y'all. They found, you know, it was... 2011 that this happened, 2016 and 2005 that came up with certain dates. Um, 
there were pictures from Tracy Morrissey <laughs> that she posted of somebody saying, how could it be possible that Tom would have a phone, a flip phone like this? Because it's very clearly these are text messages from a flip phone with a, you know, like a T9 typing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, people found pictures of Tom from last year with a flip phone at the airport screenshots of him the video what i'm assuming is erica on speakerphone and yeah so things are could be real could not be real but it sounds like those text messages regardless are from years ago begging people to ask the question of why are you you know why are you bringing up old stuff basically um why you always want to talk about old shit. So I just, I'm trying to root around and find the truth of what's happening here. And I, I, I'm coming up short. I'm coming up empty. I don't know what's going to happen. If I had to make my prediction, I just, it's hard for me to, say that like these people were really on some dumb shit and just like were really greedy thought that they could get away with taking these money from people who desperately needed it and deserved it and that they really were going to get away with it i'm curious about uh tom's capabilities his mental capacity now obviously that's something that a lot of people in the courts will say like oh you know he they're unwell. They didn't know what they were doing, pleading insanity or whatever. But I really do wonder if there is something to that. And I really, I really would like to get to the bottom line about this. And the other big question obviously is, will they or won't they discuss this on Beverly Hills? My prediction, no. Like, I think it's going to be hard. There's no way that they're going to be able to just, like, not address it at all. They're going to find some way to be like, Erica, do some vague... And, like, they're never going to be able to be like, oh, Erica, we can't talk about the fact that you're getting a divorce. Oh, Erica, we can't talk about the fact that you were, you know, sued. So, you know, from the victims of people who had family members that died so that you and Mikey could, like, you know get lip fillers like there's no way that they're not going to be able to ask her about that and there's no way that they're not going to like attempt to market off of this because frankly we all know what the general consensus is about Beverly Hills and has been for the past few years and especially with Erica a lot of people think that she's very boring I personally like I said I'm an apologist of Erica I thought that there were things that she did bring to the table even if she wasn't overly dramatic, willing to fight with people, was pretty chill generally. I I thought there was something about Erica that was vital. I think this is going to be her last season. They're filming right now. I think, obviously, there are going to be things that legally she's not going to be able to discuss. But... I don't... I don't think she's really going to get into it. And that's, that's really going to be frustrating for people that 
are fans of the show, people that like her, and even more so for people who don't like her. So I'm really interested to see how that all shakes out in terms of the show. Dear Diary, here's a letter from Kara to production. Don't let us down. Ask the tough questions. Ask, hold Erica to the fire. Don't let her think that she is, you know, Teflon. Let her answer some questions. Let her answer some questions that people deserve. Hopefully there's no more new news that is happening. If you hear, if anything does happen, I will record this. It'll, you'll hear it right after this. But as of now, I'm just very curious to know what you guys think about this. This sounds like a hot, hot mess. And it seems like I don't really know how Tom's going to get away with this. I really, really don't. Clankety clank. Clankety clank. All right. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Okay, as of now, no updates to the Erica Jane or Tom Girardi story. I'm sure there's going to be some big, huge bombshell that's dropped by the time this episode is uploaded, rendering all of this completely irrelevant and obsolete, because that's just what happens to me. But um, what else did I want to talk about? There were a couple of documentaries that I watched. I had been fiending for a good documentary and I hadn't really been finding them lately so I decided to watch both Murder on Middle Village is that what it's called Murder in Middle Middle Beach Middle Beach Middle Beach (laughs) it's either Murder on Middle Beach or Murder in Middle Beach it's on HBO Max the other one I watched was also on HBO Max it is it was uh, all about the Heaven's Gate cult if you will I I'm like dipping my toe into HBO Max and I'm finding that the, you know, if I had to judge by these two documentaries, I have to say, not giving it, not really giving me what I want. So, and I feel like there's great stuff here. And so I find that even more disappointing than if it were just like boring on its own. But I feel like the subject matter is so good. Like, let's talk murder in Middle Beach. I just want to call it Middle Village. (laughs) Middle Beach. Murder in Middle Beach. Murder, 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 murder. Murder, murder, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Okay, so I... The premise of it, for those of you who don't know, 
spoiler alert i'm not going to spoil it too much but for those of you this will be you know for those of you who want to know but aren't going to watch it so the premise of it is this guy who looks basically like like if budget zach efron was an actual term homeboy would literally be the dictionary definition like look this guy up he looks just like a bobo version of zach efron anyway his story is that he um his mother was murdered found dead outside of her home there has been you know the case is like cold question mark or maybe not question mark the case is not closed. There are no, uh, you know, nobody's in jail. Nobody is truly, you know, uh, gotten in trouble. Nobody's been held responsible for this murder, right? The great, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say the great parts. The interesting part is that there's a very high likelihood that it is the father that did it and there are a lot of reasons a lot of evidence stacked up against him there's also a possibility that other family members are involved and all of this seems like pretty fucking juicy how to me the story is like a can you get an answer to find out what happened to your mom but b how do you navigate these relationships with people that are in your family member that you think could possibly be responsible for the murder of your own mother? And I feel like that really could have been very juicy, but as somebody who watches a lot of documentaries, I felt like this dude watches a lot of documentaries and took a lot of what he thinks are like the, oh my God, moments, the landmark moments of a documentary especially a docu-series and just kind of put them into his docu-series without really personalized like it just felt like a moment a typical moment that you see a stereotypical moment that you see in a documentary and not so much a making his story more compelling if that makes sense so it, it it was fine. And I just feel like I, I could go through it. And it's like, typically when you're watching a docuseries, something that's like four or six, however episodes long, what usually happens is in the first episode is that they'll like set up, they'll give you most of the facts. They'll paint the picture. They'll give you a lot of the cast of characters. And then with more modern docuseries at the end, there will be like the bombshell twist or something that makes you want to watch the other episodes. Right. So uh, uh, I, I felt like there were moments from like, like he wanted a hot mic moment. He wanted a, like a twist and turn and a confusion. And there's this element that, you know, Oh, we can talk about this part of it with the gaming, the gifting tables. And we can talk about, you know, my dad and we could talk about my aunt and the relationship between my aunt and my sister and my sister and how she dealt with the death and versus how I've dealt with the death. And like, I don't know, it just wasn't really grabbing me. And like I said, like it felt like there was so much material there and it just didn't really, move me it just felt a little 
Like he had all the parts, but he just didn't have the it factor to make it really that interesting. The second one, the Heaven's Gate, it really made me realize because this happened in what, 97, I was 11 and I definitely had heard about it. And I think what you find out from the documentary is that it's like the sensationalized headlines are actually more interesting than the story itself. Somehow, (laughs) this is like kind of a hot take, somehow the mass suicide of dozens of people is not really that interesting once you find out the whole story, the whole origin story. Because, again, as somebody who watches a lot of true crime documentaries, it's like they, particularly when it comes to cults and like, you know, mass murder, serial killers, things like that, you have to, half of the intrigue is finding out like what, who the person is, who the leader is, where they came from, what's their damage, how did they get all these people to listen to them, how, you know, at what point did it get out of control, what are these wild and wacky rituals that the members had to adhere to, the things that they did that were probably not illegal, immoral, that sort of thing, and once you get down to it, the Heaven's Gate people were just like, just kind of like a bunch of nerds. <laughs> just like a bunch of nerds who end up killing themselves at the end. And again, I just felt like there's a lot there. But maybe we haven't heard about Heaven's Gate. Like 97, 96, 95 has been a very heavily era of our time. Heavily um, documented era of our time. We, you know, Jean Benet, OJ... All of the things that happen, you know, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, that era has been done over and over and over. And it was kind of interesting to me, like, there really has not been a streaming service or a big, interesting documentary about Heaven's Gate, as far as I know. This was like the first well-produced money behind it one that I've seen. And again... Not really that interesting, unfortunately. Just a bunch of people with bad haircuts and who thought they were aliens. And that should be more interesting than it is. It really should. Anyway, you guys, the next thing that you're going to hear is the recap of the double episode of The Bachelorette. And... That's going to be it for me, not this week, but certainly for this episode. I think what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do right now is enjoy the rest of my day and not worry about the fact, about uh, this looming deadline of having a podcast coming out. I'm going to watch, sit there and watch Search Party Season 3 and like get my life and bake cookies and make some meatballs and just like really like I've been leaning into like a true Italian grandma true it's like a Nona season over here for me so that's what makes me feel good and that's what I'm gonna do um I think what I'm going to do is there are gonna be there's gonna be an extra episode I think because I'm gonna have to finish up the bachelorette So you'll hear that maybe 
Thursday. Here's what I'm going to tentatively promise you guys. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, regular episode on Monday, 90 day fiance episode on Wednesday, possibly a, a bachelorette finale episode on Wednesday later that day, possibly even Thursday. And then Friday I'll be back with real housewives of Salt Lake city. With that, you guys, I hope you enjoy your week, whether it's, you know, letting the spirit of Christmas guide, warm your heart and guide you, um, down a snow, snowy thing. And there's like hot cocoa at the end. I don't know, but there's, I hope you enjoy that. If not, enjoy the time that you might have off. Uh, you know, do all the things that make you feel good that don't make other people sick. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have time, if you want to give me a five-star review on Apple podcasts, that's a gift that keeps on giving, right? And it's free. Love you so much. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All of the things. Happy Kwanzaa to Stasi. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> uh, do you guys, if I tweet Stasi happy, happy Kwanzaa, do you think she'll block me? I'm going to do it. I just want to know if you think she'll block me. <laughs> All right, you guys. No, I got to go. Like There's something wrong with me. Okay. Bye. Yeah. It's just like once you say it, it can't be unsaid. And like once you give that to somebody and they give it back to you, then like. You love her. I don't know. You love her. It's not even a question. I'm in love with her. That's, I know. That's I, wild. I sat down. I was just like, you love her. Like, what are you talking about? She's so great. Yeah. All right, you guys. Let's get into the double episode of The Bachelorette that we had this week. It was comprised of three hours of regular Bachelor content and one hour of a tell-all I cannot talk about this tell-all. It was one of the worst things that I've ever had to be subjected to. It featured a six-minute blooper, a six-minute blooper section. Absolutely not. There was a whole thing about um, Blake or Ben or whatever um, going over to, to Mr. Chris's casita. Spare me. And I, so in kind, I'm going to spare you. <laughs> I can't talk about it. Well, let's talk about the rest of the episode. So Blake and Tasha have a one-on-one -on -one, and he still seems to be under the impression that like this smoke show of a California girl is going to fall in love and like go to Ontario for him. No. Blake. Sweet Blake. Sweet Blake with the chin strap. That's never going to be your story. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. It's just the truth. They do some like woo-woo tantric shit. Some like sit in my lap and, and look into my eyes and do heavy, deep breathing with each other. And let me just tell you, like, I'm just never going to be in a place of like wanting to feel or worse, even smell somebody's hot breath on me. Like I'm never going to love anybody that much that I want to be so close to them because it's like a double fold, a two sided thing. It's the breath 
and the potential of what's to come with that breath, mostly bad. And then it's like the feeling of, you know, feeling somebody's hot breath on your body at like a slow pace. If it's not like, if they're not sleep and they're making direct eye contact with you, like, no, again, I'd rather move to Ontario for Blake than I would have to like look at my true number one soulmate, true loves in the eyes and have to breathe my hot breath into him. And that's just the truth. I I like a lot of onions. I'm heavy handed with the garlic. You just never know. Like I eat a lot of sriracha. Is this why I'm single? (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Y'all, did you guys hear that, that Avery, as in Avery of Ramona Singer, announced that she had applied for The Bachelorette? Like 80% of me is like, no, 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 no. Like a cat going into a bath. And 20% of me is like, I would watch that whole thing and I would analyze the hell out of it. Can you, hometowns, can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> going back to the Upper East Side and, and having to meet Ramona and like a Coco, a, a 15,000 year old dog, deaf dog named Coco. The Coco part actually sounds like the best part of the whole thing. But anyway, what do you guys think about Avery? What do you guys think about the potential for Avery as a bachelorette? Here's one thing that I will say that, you know, like, I know enough about the bachelorette bachelorette to know that there's never been any sort of celebrity on it, any sort of like notable person as far as my world. And I know that they're always like teasing some like low grade a reality star like oh maybe they should maybe Sheena Shea should be the next bachelorette maybe um I don't know some of the idiots from Siesta Key should be the next bachelor and they never do it and I always wondered why like are we trying to keep up the integrity of, of bachelor nation <laughs> is that why we don't want to sully the brand by by introducing a celebrity onto the show why have they never had like someone on a show that's like gone through it like if Sheena had still been single she would have been a great option if you guys know no I don't care I don't care sorry (laughs) so let's go back so as Tasha's making eye contact with Blake you can tell that she's like he's not the one he's not the one for me I I can smell the Ontario on his breath and that's just not the journey that I'm willing to go down. So they sit down and Blake is like, that was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I really feel like we got way closer and way deeper and we're at like a new height in our relationship. And Tasia's like, actually, we're not. I don't want to see you again. Kick rocks. Have fun back in Ontario here's a suburban to take you off and back to whence you came. That was pretty harsh. (laughs) That was pretty harsh. Um, y'all, she starts crying so hard. Like, honey, you gotta make it believable. Nobody thought that you would cry that hard over Blake. Like, even Blake 
was like, okay, this is a little bit of overkill. <laughs> She's crying. She's doing that thing where, you, you know, the double dip, as I like to call it, where you get down, where you squat down on your knees and, and you put your hands in prayer position and then you put it close to your face like, oh God, please tell me what, it, what to do. Light my path. A bachelor at Jesus. Um, so then what happens after that? Oh yeah, she's crying. She's crying so hard. She's crying. She goes all the way to the bro cave and cries in front of them and tells them like how hard it was to break up with Blake. And they're all like, okay, sure. She was like doing her, she, she knew. She's like, I only have a couple more weeks to make it happen. I need a big cry moment. I need a moment where it's just like, it's too much. Did I do the right or wrong thing? I didn't know it was going to be this hard. You know, all this stuff. She tried it. She really tried it. So then she takes Riley aside. So the guys are all riled up because they're like, oh my God, I can't believe Blake would leave. Bro, what? I can't believe he's leaving. And then she's, she comes in, she's crying, talking about how hard it is, and is like, in front of everybody, like, Riley, I need to talk to you. <laughs> so it's like, we all know where this is going. So she takes Riley aside and friend zones the fuck out of him. Like, no holds barred, no, <laughs> like, like, y'all. And I, just listen, I knew in my heart that Riley was never going to work in the show. He was never going to be successful on the show. Not with Claire, not with Tasia, not with anybody, not with the Lord himself. Why? First of all, the mustache doesn't help. Secondly, I just think he just doesn't have that, like, and I'm saying this to somebody who is now an expert, having watched now two seasons, almost two seasons of The Bachelorette. I just think that he just didn't have what it took, you know? There was something about him that was like, he felt like, and the only thing I can really compare it to is like American Idol, where it's like, yeah, you know that person's like pretty good, they're like decent, and there's something about them that wants you, wants to keep watching them, but it's like, you know, this is never going to work. Like, Riley is the Constantine Maroulis of this season of The Bachelorette. Like, he's just got a vibe to him, but, like, this was never going to last. We were going to enjoy our journey and then move on. And, unfortunately, that's what we had to do. Riley, however, is annoyed. She's, he's, he's like, basically, like, why did you keep me around for so long if you knew that this wasn't going to work between us? And then he gets into this whole thing, <laughs> what felt like a 23 to 28-minute speech about like there's no point in arguing if the, the end result is going to be the same and I could keep going back and forth but like what's the point and the longer I sit, sit here and stay here and look at you the worse I feel and we're just like you know and everywhere like such as like filling up the room and space with all of these empty words just to stay on camera, even though you're talking about how difficult it is to just be even, you know, breathing the same hot breath as each other. 
This is so very difficult. I mean, the man went on and on and on about how hard it was for him to do this and how he should just go. I really should just go. I really should just walk away from this situation because, <laughs> because it's just getting every, with every millisecond that passes by is getting more difficult for me. So they made Riley, poor Riley. They made him leave in like the 60 days in special. He was in his casual wear. He was wearing like a, you know, like a expensive, fancy thermal and a gray pants. It was like, literally, if they were going to do a photo shoot with, you know, the cast members of Love After Lockup in like a GQ magazine, that's what they would dress him in. That's what they would dress him in. He had to go home in the 60 days in special, poor thing. Poor thing. Then Tasha's like, okay, here's moment number two for me to wow the fuck out emotionally. She starts crying. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, Riley, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to go to Long Island City with you. Like, girl, we don't need this. We don't need it. This season, I have to say, it seems like really... Like, it started off with such, like, chaotic energy, and then it kind of went the way I would think a lot of Bachelorettes would go, which is, like, pretty tame, maybe even verging on boring. I feel like, gosh, like, I really just want to, like, support my chocolate sister, Deja, but I just feel like she just isn't giving me a lot. And, like, maybe that's part of the point is that it, there are, there have to be, a, um, you know, a, a certain amount of people, sect of people, if you will, that really just want to see, you know, um, a woman who is, you know, at least an eight and a guy who's ranging between six and a half to eight, just following, like, the most basic love doing, you know, team building exercises with one another. But like, I was really into this season in the beginning for Claire and all of the mania that came with Claire. And like, I'm so happy for you, Tasia. I'm going to let you finish. But like, eh. if this was a whole season, I don't know that I would be super invested. I don't know that I still would have been recapping. But should I watch The Bachelor? I've never seen The Bachelor. I've only seen this season of The Bachelorette and um, Rachel Lindsay's season of The Bachelorette. Should I watch The Bachelor? Is it worth it? Is it really going to give me, is a switch going to give me what I need? Because maybe I want to see like overly emotional women. Maybe that's what's going to edge things out for me. Fighting over a man that I'm already going to tell you, like, y'all, they have been, they, when I saw the commercial, his name is Matt, right? He's the first ba black bachelor, right? I was thinking, like, you know that meme <laughs> of the kid who's in school? He's, like, sitting at his desk and his veins are popping out of his face because he just, like, is trying not to say something. That's how I felt about the production using... <laughs> that salt and pepper song like what a man what a man what a man what a mighty good man like surely if you're gonna if i'm thinking bachelor songs to introduce a person 
that would be a top five list. But you know they haven't been able to do it because he's the first black one. So the minute they got the Black Bachelor, they were like, finally, we can release salt and pepper. <laughs> finally, we've made it, guys. We can use this song to promote the next season. Y'all, they were so happy. They were so happy to be able to use that, right? <laughs> so happy um so should i watch it you guys let me know are you do you prefer one or the other bachelor versus bachelorette let me know let me know your thoughts do you think i would like it let me know so the guys all get dressed up for the rose ceremony and bennett shows up in a purple suit and matching loafers you know his the guys are shocked that he's back because they didn't know that he had like apologized his way back into Tasia's, you know, lanky, but very toned arms. Um, so he's like, you know, he's like, I'm talking this whole speech about how important it is not to come off, uh, like a Harvard douchebag. And it's like, okay, well, why are you dressed like Grimace going to the Kentucky Derby then? Like you can't, you know, actions and words. We all know the saying. So Mr. Chris comes in to tell the bros that Tasha's basically already made her choice. So rather than doing like the cocktail party, then the rose ceremony, they're just going to go straight to the rose ceremony. Now, I feel like I've been so... I was about to say a problematic word. <laughs> I feel like I don't know which way is up because... It seems like with this season, there have been a lot of like, and I'm using air quotes in here, like unprecedented things that have happened. So there are a lot of like things that have been canceled and we're doing something else instead. Or like Claire doesn't feel like going out because Dale's, you know, fingering her behind a succulent or, you know, whatever. So I don't really know. I feel like we've only had like, they keep talking about these cocktail parties and I feel like I can't really remember them. Also, is it true that they can only have two drinks now? It's there's a two drink maximum because of what happened in Bachelor in Paradise. Let me know. So, okay, they just you know they they go straight to the rose ceremony. Yo, who let Tasia wear this like pink satin silky Kyle by Shahidi or whatever lounge dress? Like, I just want to know who was styling her. Like, I know. You know, we're working with different tools, but like whoever had been styling Tasha and giving her these options, that lime green dress and this pink one, there have been a couple in between. I just would like to have some words with them about, you know, you're putting black girls thrive in bright colors. We do. But you have to find, like, the right shade of that right color. You can't just, like, pop a lime on anybody and think it's going to work because she's black. That's not how it works. So, like, you know, next time we have a black on The Bachelorette, let's just keep that in mind. If anybody in production's listening, let's keep that in mind. Um, yeah, what, is there anything from the, I mean, from the mentel all Yosef came back and he was like 
still defending the bullshit that he was saying that he said to Claire about how she she's not fit to be a mother and you know it's just like all the guys were going after him he saw no like Chris was even Mr. Chris was even trying to help him he's like I'm gonna try and help you out of the crap that you're saying right now and like even still it didn't work it did not work Okay, so now we're at the Hometowns episodes, right? So the Hometowns will not be at their real Hometowns. It will be, you know, strategically placed across the La Quinta property. Um, the men will have a select number of family members come to meet Tasha. The whole thing. So the plan is to do Guy introduce. Tasha to what it's like to live in the town that he grew up in and then we meet the family so Ben Ben and his neck Ben's sister's coming Ben loves his sister he loves her so much he loves her so much that he says I almost want to cry but I usually don't because I don't know where the tears come from and like I just want to you just Ben when you have the time can we expand on that? I just have some questions. So then, Brendan. What, can we talk about Brendan and his collars? What is What did a straight collar do to Brendan? This bitch loves a mandarin. Loves a turtleneck. Loves a mock neck. Honestly, we might find him in a cowl neck before we find him in just like a straight button-down shirt. Listen, I understand what he's trying to do. He's going for like retro slash... Is that John B? Like from a distance, is that John B the singer? Is that Donnie Klang from Making a Band? Who's to say? I understand what he's trying to do. I just feel like... I just don't like Brendan's face. And I know that's so hard to say. And it doesn't mean that a person, when I say that, it doesn't mean that I don't, well, I don't find them attractive. It doesn't mean that they're ugly. Like, you know, people, they're just people's faces that you just don't like. And he's not a bad looking guy. Like intellectually, I see it. He's got all the good features, but I just don't like his face. And that, that sounds horrible. Like if somebody told that to me, I would, you know. tie a rock to my body and jump into the East river or something. I don't know, but, (laughs) but I, I just don't like it. And I think the fact that he like tries to be a little bit flashy by wearing all of these collars, these like less traditional collars. And I don't know why that bothers me either. I just think it's the whole thing. It's like, I don't like his face and I feel like he's doing too much with these clothes. Like he got it from like an estate sale of that thing you do. I just don't really get it. I just don't get it. Anyway. Um, so Brendan, (laughs) Brendan is like from the Boston area suburbs. He takes Tasia to a fake carnival with stuffed animals and, Surely everything, like the first six props that come up in the search results, if you were to go to Amazon and do a search, it was just like cheap carnival stuff. Like it was that like basketball hoop, 
that has like the bat like the the material under it so the basketball you know it comes back it doesn't hit the floor and like go akimbo like it comes right back to you they did that there were literal stuffed animals <laughs> there i mean it's just like girl the ghetto like aren't y'all listen times are tough for everybody but i'm not this is a disney abc joint Let's not act like y'all can't pull out the big bucks. Somebody could have gotten an Amazon Prime account and like got the nicer. Just like that. This wasn't even, this was like, y'all, this was like Costco stuff. This wasn't even like a Target quality level of items. These were all like, you know, Costco style stuff. And it, it just felt, it just felt cheap. Just felt cheap. Okay. So... This was all, this fake carnival is to represent the carnivals that he used to go to when he was growing up. <laughs> as as if this is purely a Boston thing, like, everybody, I feel like I just talked about on this podcast about the, like, just like the lame carnivals, about, on the show. Why didn't they keep the Ferris wheel? They had a fucking Ferris wheel last week. But he gets some some stuffed animals, a fucking beanie baby. <laughs> where's the Where's the carnival? Y'all couldn't rent it out for two weeks. Mm-mm. So he surprises Tasha with his niece, and the rest of this like carnival segment is them pretending that this you know what I believe to be eleven to twelve year old girl wants to ride on a fake horse, and you know, get a monkey beanie baby. But Tasia seemed highly impressed with this 37-minute segment was the determining factor as to whether or not Brenda could be a good father. And and thank God he brought his niece out as a prop because it seemed to really work in his favor. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. He and his niece had a secret handshake, and you would have thought that, like, Tasia had, I I don't even know. She was so impressed. (laughs) So then we meet Brendan's brother and his sister-in-law and, um, you know, the Debbie down at the salon who gave Brendan's brother his eyebrow um, dye. Real heavy with the with the charcoal black on that one. Um, 
that's really what happened. Like, Brandon cries. <laughs> He's like, you know, meeting my family makes it, you know, makes it really real for me. And she met my brother, and it sounds like real for me. Okay. So then we have Zach. Zach, who I feel like he ages himself. He keeps making this face that gives you, like, this is us. You know, it's just, like, overly sentimental. Like, I'm listening a little too much. I'm about to go into like a monologue about how like you know love and life that is both heartbreaking and at times humorous but at the end really teaches you a lesson that is relevant to what's happening in your life um so Zach is giving me that and I just feel like he's 36 I'm 34 and I know like you know white people you know sometimes white people don't age as well as black But it feels just feels like every week he's getting older. I don't know why. So Zach, his like hometown, I'm I can show you the world shining, shimmering, splendid moment with Tasia is <laughs> the worst thing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. They're like, oh. I'm going to take Tasha to my version of New York because I told her in the, one of the first conversations that we had that I'm from New York. And as they're saying that, the Chiron says, Zach C. 36 from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Now listen, you guys, I've lived in New York for quite a long time. And there is a sort of like unknown thing that if you're not in the tri-state area, you might not be privy to is that People in New Jersey will say that they live in New York and they do not live in New York. And I don't know why they don't just act like, like if you guys want to live in New York so bad, then live in New York. But if you can't live in New York or you don't want to, then don't say that you live in New York when you don't. This was a big problem. Any of you single ladies that are in the dating app scene, I'm not, but I used to be, um, y'all know that. So many people on the apps will say, oh, I live in, I live in the city. I live in New York, New York, New York. And then you're like, oh, where do you live? And he's like, oh, um, you know, I'm like 20 minutes away from Newark. No, no. Uh, it's just like a really quick trip on the path train. No, no, that's not New York. That's not New York. And so these People from Jersey act like New Yorkers are really snobs, but it's like half of y'all are acting like you live in New York when you really don't. <laughs> Where am I going? This is something that's been on my spirit for a long time. So there, it was compounded by the stupid shit that they made them do. So he makes her practice how to hail a cab. Make sure that you put your leg out and put your arm out and yell taxi with force. Like this is 1980. And then they get into a cab. And by that I mean it's like they made somebody in in the props department paint. Like go to Hobby Lobby and get one of those like speed race, like something that looks like a race car. 
but you have to like get into it, like step into it and then hold up the bar as like a support bar. And so it looks like you guys are like, you know, you're, it's like a Flintstone style operation, right? So they're walking through the La Quinta property in this like wooden painted cab. They go, <sighs> he, you know, he makes her eat, a, eat an authentic New York slice. Oh, oh, here's a, here's a bagel bar. It's got all of these toppings. Some of the, half of the toppings were gummy. Half of the toppings were like, here's some gummy worms. <laughs> you put on your authentic New York bagel. <laughs> Yuck. I ignore the fact that it says lenders on the side. Ugh. So then he made her get in her dress into the La Quinta in property fountain. Did they clean it? Did anybody wipe wipe did we drain and put in some new water chlorine you get a cap full of chlorine or bleach or something dirty ass fountain she was acting like this was so great like oh zach makes me do things that i would never do like you know jump into this fountain because no black woman on this planet has jumped into a fountain <laughs> we don't do stuff like that <laughs> Dipping your hair into fountain water? Yuck. Yuck. What happens that? They they make out. We meet his family. You know, Zach was the one who's practically had to receive a supplemental oxygen at the idea of of um Tasia doing hometowns because his family, he loves his family so fucking much. And I don't know why I said that like it was a bad thing. <laughs> But, you know, literally he was, he was going through it. So she meets his family. Um, the brother takes her aside and he was like, how are you feeling about Zach in comparison to the other guys? And she's like, oh, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm really, uh, falling for Zach. And he's like, oh, that doesn't answer my question. I'm asking how you feel about him in comparison to the other guys. And that was really the only person that asked the heavy hitting questions. I think. And I loved it. And I really don't think she answered it. Even when he called her out for it. Um, everybody. And by everybody, I mean his, what his brother and whoever else was there. They, they're like, I think he's happy because he's smiling. Did you notice that Zach smiled? I think he's in love. <laughs> okay. Okay. Even Zach was like, did you guys notice that I was smiling? I think I'm happy. <laughs> I think this is going to work out. Okay. What have you been going through, Zach? Ivan is next. They make some sort of food. They had his niece, Kilani teach them, you know, being like a really cute kid, making a YouTube video, teaching them how to make what looked like some sort of uh, Filipino-style egg roll. It looked delicious. They killed it. That was like... I was with Tasia because she said, he's like teaching me things that I would do 
that we would do like in our everyday interactions with each other. If we were together, this is like a real lesson of what our nights would be like, what our life would be like. Cause they're dancing and making food together and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, he killed it. I would have much rather been like inside of a little casita kitchen, frying up some egg rolls than pretending to, you know, run around in a fake cab eating pizza that's been left out in the sun. It's clearly not authentically from New York because y'all aren't spending the budget on that. Y'all aren't. <laughs> That's just the truth. Okay, let me finish this up. So um, Ivan basically says, my dad's coming and I'm really excited that he's coming because he's got a very serious heart condition that if he catches COVID from traveling, like he's basically going to die. So just putting that out there before you meet my family. The stakes are incredibly high. <laughs> my father literally risked his life to be here. Um, so then Ivan's mom is like, you know, I'm still really skeptical, skeptical about this whole situation, about the show and whether it's real or not. And, you know, Ivan apparently said he told Tasha that he's not exactly ready to get engaged. But, you know, he tells his mom, if I end up out of this thing engaged, just know that I've thought about it. So then, remember Ivan's brother who's been in jail? Ivan has been talking about how how badly he would have wanted his, his uh, brother to be there. And he shows up. He shows up. Two tears on his face tattooed on his face and I think he called him Poppy at one point neither of these men are Latinx or Filipino and black but I'm pretty sure he called him Poppy um anyway it was a heartwarming moment Ivan's brother is really um spiritual he's very uh you know he says he believes in energy and reading people's energies he seemed very introspective and he felt very positive about the whole situation um, he says he feels her vibe. Love that for him. Ben, who lives in Venice, California, decides to just be like, okay, let's slap some rollerblades on and, you know, go down the sidewalk and do some like wellness shots. Some like ginger turmeric shots or whatever. So then Ben's like, I wanted to get have you have a taste of what it's like to be on the beach and beautiful, famous Venice Beach. And then he takes her to Venice Beach, which is somehow conveniently located at the La Quinta, La Quinta Inn pool. <laughs> so there we go. Um, Tasha's like clearly horny for Ben. Like you can tell, like she really wants to climb that tree. She's really attracted to him. Like this is her type. And I get it. I found myself getting more and more attracted to Ben as the uh, days went on. But here's the thing. Doesn't matter. Because. Tasha said, you know. No. Here's the thing. First of all, the men are sweating so much. They are so... So fucking sweaty. And they're all making, they're making them all wear these long sleeve shirts all over the property. They're like literally 
sweating, dripping sweat. Everybody but Ben. Everybody but Ben. Um, Ben's family is comprised of his sister and a family friend. His dad couldn't come because he's a doctor and, like, he was too much of a risk because of COVID. Uh, was his mom there? I think maybe. No, it was just a family friend and his sister. And Ben has, like, a one-on-one talk with the family friend. She's like, you're in love with her. You're in love with Tasia. And then he looks up like, oh, my God. I am in love with Tasia. But I always fuck things up. And I'm going to do it again. Because clearly all Tasia wants is for me to tell her I love her. But I'm not going to do it. Even after she breaks up with me. And it becomes abundantly clear that the only reason why she broke up with me is because I couldn't say those words. And so I just stammer and end up in a pile of word vomit. (laughs) And I don't say anything, even though I've told several camera people and people on the show that I'm in love with her. And that was the end of the episode. Ben just like completely fumbling the bag by not telling Tasia that he loved her. So who do we have not left? We have Zach, Ivan, and the other one, Brandon. Brandon and his Mandarin collars. I thought Ben was going to be the one that she ultimately ended up with, for sure. I think going into next week, her <clears throat> final week, I think that Zach, there's something about Zach that just screams phony to me. I just, I don't... I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And who else? Brandon. I don't know. You know, I just don't like his face. So I feel like I don't believe he can do anything. (laughs) And then Ivan, I really like Ivan. I just think that Tasha is not into Ivan as much as Ivan is into her. I don't think she sees herself in that family. I just don't think she ultimately sees herself with Ivan. So if I had to guess, I think she's going to go with Zach. But it feels so obvious that they've been setting up this whole thing between her and Zach that maybe it's going to go another way. Part of me saying that it's going to be Brandon. Who, who knows? Who knows? But I guess we'll see at the end of next week. All right. <laughs>